Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. It's time for the Graham Capital Market Update, a daily look at Wall Street, brought to you by Graham Capital, an estate planning and investment management firm right here in Florida. How hard is your money working for you? Let's find out with your hosts, David Graham and Stosh Graham. You're listening to Graham Capital's Market Update. It's brought to you by Graham Capital Advisors, and you'll hear us on 1250 WHNZ. And this signal goes from Tampa, Florida, all the way down to Anglewood, Port Charlotte, and what have you. Let me just say this to you. Before we get started, as always, let's all offer a huge heartfelt thanks to our police, our firefighters, our emergency personnel, our teachers, and what about all the men and women that are in the military services so far from home and protecting us? Where would we be without them? Thank God we have them. And with that, and online we have Stosh Graham, the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management, Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. Hey, how's it going? Good afternoon, David. Well, let me ask you, Stosh, you know, again, you know, last week the stock market fell for the first time in a month, month and a half. And what should listeners take from last week's performance? Yeah, well, I think it was a warning sign to people that, hey, look, not everything is is rosy and, and not everything in financial markets, or let, let's just say it's not normal for everything just to go up, uh, which is really what we've got accustomed to over the last, say, month and a half, two months. Uh, so again, I think what you saw last week was a combination of a few things. I know we spent a lot of time talking about inflation uh, and how inflation surprised to the upside, which takes rate cuts away from estimates, which means interest rates will stay higher for longer. And that isn't good for financial asset prices. Uh, And so I think we saw some of that. But look, there are more events to come uh, that can certainly impact what the Federal Reserve does in the coming months. Well, okay, let me ask you something. You know, the markets now, they're starting to speculate if the the next Fed move is going to go up, you know, if not down. And and I saw a figure in the Wall Street Journal where there's over $6 the $6 trillion wall of cash, and it's kind of holding firm until the Fed, you know, whether the Fed's going to delay cuts or not. Um, so what does that tell you when you see that kind of money on a hold uh, with, with what's going on in the markets? Obviously, it's going to have an effect on the markets. What does that Yeah, tell you? it does. And that's been a popular talking point for a few quarters now. The, I think there are, are, are a couple different points. One, uh, a lot of that money is checking and savings account alternatives. Look, there is still a struggle among banks to get deposits or to get traditional deposits. Look at Charles Schwab, for example. They're still under a lot of pressure because they had a lot of people take money away from their their respecting checking savings accounts because one of the things that's maybe maybe people aren't necessarily aware, Charles Schwab is a very large financial custodian. But they also have Charles Schwab Bank. And Charles Schwab Bank for years was the juice to their corporate earnings. Uh, And so they have a bank. And what they saw and why it's been a struggle for them 
is because they had a lot of their clients take money from the bank and put it into their money market account right. because they wanted to make 5%. Checking accounts are still not paying. Savings accounts are not even remotely close to 5%. And so a lot of people go, well, okay, wait a minute. I can invest in a money market account that's invested in government reserves. So basically, extremely low risk and or guaranteed because you're investing in short dated US treasuries. I can make 5% at a time when inflation was eight or nine. People became very sensitive about the interest rates that they were going to be able to get and they wanted. And you still are seeing that play out today. People go, oh, I could just make a couple of clips, move my money away. Uh, so a lot of that six trillion is exactly what we're referring to. That money is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go into the stock market. And then secondarily, especially right now, interest rates are over 5%. The barrier to entry to get that money off the sidelines out of these money market accounts into the stock market is very high. You're going to need more than just a couple rate cuts for that money to even have any interest in going into the stock market. And really, to be frank, that money, if it were to go anywhere, it's unlikely to go into the stock market but go into US treasuries or go into corporate bonds. Those are the lower risk alternatives that are generally seen as you know, money market uh, uh, checking account alternatives, certainly with more risk, but that's generally the, the equivalent where, where that money is parked at, at banks or, or money market accounts. Right. Well, that, well that's, that's it. I mean, the investors now, there's $128 billion in US money market funds since the start of the year, <laughs> since the start of the year, $128 billion. Companies... That, they're sitting on a record 4.4 trillion of cash just at the end of the third quarter, and and that's after a flood of more than a trillion of, of T bills since I guess the middle of last year. You know, so the mark there's market has room for more, and it's kind of a stark contrast to the last couple of months ago when one of the hottest questions on the street was where investors would redeploy their cash holdings once the Fed started to cutting interest rates and. Know, making stockpiles of money less appealing. So I guess the question is here, uh, you know, tr traders have dramatically dialed back, you know, with, with these policy expectations and, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at the, lo you know, the longer cash is held in money market funds, you know, they should be making four to 5% or more. It's keeping investors from looking further, further down the field. And when do you think this is finally going to start breaking up? When you're, you're, probably, you're probably going to need several rate cuts. You're going to need corporate bond yields to stay low. Uh, and you're going to need a stock market that's obviously lower than where we're at. Uh, and I think that's a fairly comfortable or logical conclusion to a wide host of variables that are at play when, again, it's just not as simple as, well, someone's sitting on cash and eventually the stock market is going to get cheap. And then people are going to take that money and provide a floor under the stock market. It just right. isn't that simple, especially at a period in time where you can get attractive interest rates uh, without taking a lot of risk. Right. Well, that, that's that's understandable. Look, this week, this is a busy week with events ranging from imported corporate earnings to public appearances by several of the Fed governors. So. What are you you watching this week that can make the markets move? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you mentioned Federal Reserve. So we we have a few Federal Reserve governors, uh, Michelle Bowman, uh, Lisa Cook, and Chris Waller that are all speaking. You have the Federal Reserve uh, Fed President, Patrick Harker, and Neil Kashikari, who's the Minneapolis uh, Fed President. 
they're all speaking. It's going to be very interesting, especially in in uh, the developments that we just saw last week with inflation rates, uh, both CPI and PPI, CPI, consumer price index, PPI, producer price index, all to the upside. Uh, it is going to be very interesting to see how they sound. Are they going to come off as being dovish in the background, again, of inflation that that might be in the early stages of reflating? Now, look, we've said this a couple of times. We won't spend a lot of time on it. We do think the deceleration for inflation will come down in the coming months. This is a January is a speed bump. The second half of 2024 is the part that you have to be worried about in terms of sustaining reacceleration in inflation, which w- which would possibly force the hand of the Federal Reserve. Uh, so that's on the Federal Reserve side. I think from an earnings side, it's NVIDIA. You think about the AI bubble, whatever you want to call it. NVIDIA has been the biggest single beneficiary, the leader of the Magnificent Seven in terms of appreciation. Uh, they need to hit their earnings. And so we'll know within 48 hours what that looks like. Again, they're uh, considering the valuation that NVIDIA is priced at, uh, they can't miss on their corporate earnings. So that is going to be a fascinating corporate earning, uh, co- corporate earnings and guidance for 2024. Again, the, you know, again, of all companies, Nvidia is certainly at the forefront of the artificial intelligence bubble. Well, you know, when you look at corporations now that are just sitting with money in uh, money fund holdings, like Meta Platforms, for example, that's the parent company of Facebook, they increased their allocation of, of, to money funds. To thirty-two point nine billion billion at the end of the year, from twenty-nine billion. Uh, then Amazon, Amazon has has thirty-nine billion in money market funds. Uh, it, I mean, you know, again, uh, I can go on and on with that. But the, I guess the the question is, when these funds start getting back into the markets again, markets again, do you feel that's going to pick up the markets? Again, it depends. So in the case of these companies, they're not going to be invested in markets. Uh, they have their own businesses that they're going to operate in. And it's important you do mention, you mentioned some statistics for for Facebook or Meta uh, or, or Amazon. You can throw Google in there, Alphabet. Uh, they have a ton of cash. You know, the cash has really uh, accumulated and a lot of these, I, I don't even want to call them magnificent sevens. You can call them things, you know, all different variations. Um, the cash is really accumulated in these companies. There are balance sheets, are fortress balance sheets. Uh, and we're long Google. Google has tens of billions of dollars more in cash than they do debt. So this interest rate movement is not really, it's not actually a headwind for them as much as it's actually a tailwind. They're going to be able to generate more cash. On the interest that their cash that they're currently sitting on is accumulating versus any outstanding debt, but the reality is that is an anomaly compared to the broader markets. Uh, you have a lot of corporate debt that's outstanding. That in just about the next twelve months, you're going to see a continuous run for about five years where a lot of this corporate debt needs to get refinanced. And if you're not a company like Google or 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 uh, Facebook or Amazon, and you have debt you need to turn over at a time when your profit margin is struggling, uh, what are you going to do with any additional cash? Are you just going to simply retire the debt? Are you going to slightly pay down the debt that's outstanding? Because that coupon, what the what the contractual interest rate is for that bond, when you go to refinance it, it's going to be two to three times higher 
than what you issued it at if you issued the bond like a lot of corporations did in 2021. Uh, so again, 2025, 2026, 2027, going to 2030, 2031 is going to be a extreme period where a lot of companies and their CFOs are going to have to make a decision about what they're going to do with any additional cash if they have it uh, in the face of what is certainly going to be higher interest rates than what they issued their original bonds uh, when they issued it in 2021. Again, just as a friendly reminder, in 2021, interest rates were basically zero bound. I feel pretty comfortable in concluding outside of a Great Depression that interest rates are not going to be zero bound in 2026. When you look at what just happened uh, just the past day now, client asked me this morning, here you have Capital One spending almost $35 billion to buy Discover Card. The question was, well, is now the time to buy and invest in either one of those two companies? It, or do you think it'll get passed by the government? Well, certainly. I mean, you've already had uh, a few politicians, Elizabeth Warren, ask for uh, a a uh, important review of this respective merger deal. To be frank, I'm shocked they're even moving forward with it, considering how litigious, uh, whether it's the DOJ, the Department of Justice, or the FTC has been. So again, this is going to be a very interesting case to watch. You've obviously seen a few mergers in the last couple of months. Ones that were thought to be pretty easy to get passed through lose and get blown up. Uh, you're obviously watching that with Spirit Airlines and JetBlue being one of the more recent big ones. Right. Uh, but this merger between Capital One and Discover, you know, you think about companies that operate in the subprime lending space. These are two of the most prominent uh, within subprime credit card lending. So this is going to be a fascinating merger to watch. Obviously, again, they operate in, in somewhat of the same field, which is what makes this merger interesting from Capital One's perspective because they're the acquirer in this deal. Uh, but again, this is going to be a fascinating deal to watch. It's certainly going to go through an extensive review, uh, regardless if it's the FTC or the DOJ or maybe even the Federal Reserve. Uh, but again, it, it, this is going to be a, a, an important merger to watch. Well, you know, there's so many different sectors that you, you, know, you have to be watching at. I notice now where Brookfield Asset Management, they're in their early stage discussions about their next infrastructure project. You know, and that's two months after it closed, a, a re, you know, record fund, you know, that they had in transportation, telecom, and what have you. Uh, do you feel that, you know, I think they're this, the world's second largest alternative asset manager. Uh, when you look at the federal dollars that went in, the, the, the trillions of dollars, I guess, that went into the infrastructure plan or whatever amount that was, do you feel that's something to look at as, as an investment? Usually it takes about a year after one of these things get passed, but is that something that you would look at? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, you know, the name certainly speaks to inflation reduction. I mean, it's it's largely a a scaled down version of the Build Back Better bill uh, from from 2021. Um, you know, it's infrastructure investments, and infrastructure investments have been around. Make no mistake, it's very popular amongst private equity firms to have infrastructure investments. You obviously Brookfield is certainly one of the more prominent players. You know, Blackstone. Uh, has a interest Carlisle Group again. You some of the largest private equity firms in the world have have investments in infrastructure. I think you need to look at the type of infrastructure. Again, 
when you use the word infrastructure, it is very broad based. Uh, you could go from data towers and and uh, uh, data centers as a form of infrastructure to highways, exactly what you would think of when you think traditionally of infrastructure. So it's a very, very popular uh, area. It's been a lot of capital has been generated. I think a lot of people are drawn to it uh, uh, due to the returns, projectability of the returns. It's not necessarily an asset class where you go, hey, you know, I'm going to generate 50% uh, in, a, in a year, like maybe you'll see with some of these tech companies. But you do figure with this investment uh, in an infrastructure pool uh, that it has the backing of whether the federal government or the state or municipal government and the investments they make, again, if we're talking highways, for example. Right. Um, again, they're, they're, infrastructure is a very, very large field, but it is something that has been consistently big and it's consistently grown over the last decade. Well, when you're looking at artificial intelligence now, I noticed another one was where Blackstone is building a $25 billion empire of power-hungry data centers. They have an area in, in outside of Phoenix that's over 400 acres. It's three times the size of the Mall of America, and and it's all as if it goes as planned, it's going to be churning out mountains of data powered by you know energy, obviously that it's needed for hundreds of thousands of homes for crying out loud, and 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 that Blackstone's bet it's all on this this AI revolution. So question is. Where will AI be 10 years from now or 20 years from now, where 20 years ago, 25 years ago, people were saying, well, Google might be an interesting investment. Look where it is today. So what's your take on investing in AI? Yeah, I would say it's more akin to the internet bubble of, of 2000, uh, 2001, uh, where there certainly will be there will be practical benefits that come from it. Same thing that happened with internet in 1999. There's just going to be a lot of landmines. Uh, and when you have this amount of capital thrown into it by the private sector in such a short period, right. uh, again, it just it just it reminds you so much of the dot com bubble, uh, where you could have this industry and it's been around. Internet was not necessarily a new thing in nineteen ninety nine. It had been around. AOL had been around for years. Uh, and I obviously I think a lot of people think about the AOL Time Warner deals being the really tippy top of the dot com bubble of that era. Um, but again, I, I think it's one of those dynamics there, there, there are a lot of parallels in the developments in AI will certainly, there will be benefits 10 years from now. But, uh, I also think you'll see the dynamics of, wow, the financial markets really valued that service or company at that valuation. That doesn't make any sense. Um, right. and again, I think it's too, too early, too soon to give the financial rewards of much, much higher market valuations uh, for something that's just so early in its stage and where we haven't figured out who the winners and losers are. Very similar to dot-com bubble where you sure you had a, a Google alphabet, but then you also had you know 15 other companies that went to zero in a matter of three years. Right. Well, let me ask you something. The, the, the big box retailer, Walmart reported earnings this morning what were your reactions to the earnings and the guidance for the rest of the year? And how can listeners take large retailers, take their large, large retailers' view of the broader economy? Yeah, you know, I, I thought Walmart's Walmart's earnings, they're, they're really, there's two major 
two major ways. And I think in regards to Walmart, the interesting perspective for me was they confirmed kind of what our thoughts were, that inflation is not going anywhere. Inflation is here and it's sticky. Uh, now, they had, a, they had a, a, I would say, a rosier view of the consumer. Now, they still see slower growth. And I think that's important too, but they remain optimistic on the economy. They believe the consumer can still um, uh, continue to consume, even if it's at lower levels. So again, I, I think that's I think that's important. Uh, they specifically highlighted households that earn more than hundred thousand dollars that they can gain more market share. E-commerce, which is a big area for Walmart, I know a lot of people think of e-commerce and Amazon. Walmart was one of the first big retailers to dedicate tens of billions of dollars. And this has been an ongoing project for Walmart now for for more than a decade, uh, where they have, say, if you sign up, you get two-day free shipping. Does that sound familiar? Um, so Walmart has been pretty big. The, the market liked Walmart's news. They were up several percentage points um, after they reported their respective earnings and people got their guidance. Uh, and actually across the board, you saw retailers where we own a position in Dollar General. Dollar General was up a couple of percentage points up in sympathy with Walmart. So look, obviously it's great when you have the largest individual box retailer in the country and, and actually in the world um, or one of the largest in the world. And they think the consumer can hold on even if it's at lower rates. I think that's that that's important. And again, you saw Walmart uh, you know, perform well. I would add that if the economy does turn, Walmart is one of those few companies that has shown in recent history, say over the last 30 years, that they actually go up in price for the right. dark fact that, you know, a lot of people will have to shop down to Walmart because Walmart is the economical choice for so many people. Sure. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Stash Graham, the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. Stash, with the S&P 500 closing above 5,000 for the first time, there is an inevitable question for investors of, especially with investors with cash on the sidelines, should I get in now or is this milestone moment actually a reason not to invest? What would you tell, tell your clients? It depends on what your risk tolerance is. Certainly risk is elevated investing at these levels. And it's not necessarily the nominal level what the S&P or the NASDAQ or the Dow. It's a combination of a few things. It's a combination of, well, what do we talk about the, the first part of the show? Interest rates. What are the other alternative annualized rates of return you can get for lower risk investments? And right now, historically, they're still very high. Now, certainly those interest rates were higher in October, say six months ago, four months ago, um, but they're still historically high compared to the last 15 years. So that barrier to put that cap or that that hurdle to put capital to work is just it's just higher. Um, but you know, from the equity perspective, it's the forward-looking multiples. Right now you're looking at an SP 500 that's 20, 21 times forward-looking earnings. That's more than a full standard deviation uh, in terms of expensiveness, meaning you put money into work right now, that dollar is expected to generate less than 5% in earnings yield. Uh, right. It's just a very expensive proposition at a time when companies, while their earnings are growing, it's, it's, not, it's not keeping up. It's struggling to keep up with inflation, which tells you that a lot of these corporate earnings are, are decaying 
because inflation is now starting to eat away and the trend line for their earnings growth is continuing to be more and more muted unless you have exposure to artificial intelligence which again you know you have those the magnificent 7 or the magnificent 6 if you boot tesla out um you know they're the big factor when it comes to the overall headline index the difference between the equal weighted and the the weighted which is your headline S&P 500 or your your headline index that gets most commonly referred to those companies are doing fine and i think they're giving a misleading picture about how the other you know 494 the uh, S&P 500 companies are doing well let me ask you then would you focus now on growth stocks or would you be more inclined to look at more let's say value or value oriented opportunities you know high yield corporate bonds emerging markets utilities those kind of things yeah i mean so again i i think it depends on the person's risk tolerance investment goals and what they're willing to to go through i i think inherently you're probably getting better forgive the pun better value by investing in value uh whether it's large cap or small cap you're probably getting better value these companies they might not have the same growth expectations but by and large these companies have good balance sheets uh and they generate cash now i think you have to look at the sectors i think you just can't blindly invest in the s p 500 and say hey i want to invest in value because there are certainly sectors that i would be leery of having exposure to healthcare information technology industrials consumer discretionary i would struggle to put a quote-unquote value investment from any one of those sectors uh, because those sectors, by and large, have done very well, and they're very crowded. You have a lot of money that's already been put into those markets. They're very loved by investors. Right. Well, Stasha, as always, we appreciate your sound sage advice, and let's just see how it wraps up, and we'll be talking to you tomorrow. You take care. Absolutely, David. It's going to be a fascinating week, and certainly NVIDIA's corporate earnings, just considering how much they have appreciated in share price the bar for them is going to be big. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, yeah. That's an understatement, boy. It really is big. Thanks so much for coming on. Talk to you soon. See ya. Uh, you're listening to Stash Graham, and he's he runs, manages the assets for Graham Capital Advisors here in the West Coast of Florida. And let me just say that he's the best of the best. If you think that now is a good time to get a good second opinion. Well, who you were just listening to is probably the only true professional fund manager that you're going to hear on the radio in the West Coast of Florida. And if you feel that you want to get a good second opinion, you're not happy being in some model that you know has a dozen different stocks in it and you're riding the Wall Street roller coaster, I have a suggestion. Stop doing it, especially if you're getting concerned when you look at your statements. You don't need to be doing that. Gosh, life is way too short. What about just getting professional guidance from a true financial money manager that will make sure you're always covering the downside? If you know a lot of little victories, if you do that, little victories win the battle. So stop hitting your head against the wall. We can help you. Go to our website and schedule an appointment. Grab Capital Advisors, it's a three legged stool legal, planning, and investing. Come and see us. Website address is grahamcapitaladvisors.com. Look, we have offices in Tampa, Sarasota, offices in Venice, and we love what we do. Everyone in this office has a professional designation, certified financial planners, certified estate planners, certified senior advisors, certified, certified something, anything. But 
We love what we do. And we can help you get a plan in place that you're going to be happy with. So when you leave our office, this giant retirement monkey is going to be taken off your back. You're going to feel the stress leave your body. We have so many of our clients. We have thousands of clients now in the West Coast of Florida. And I'm telling you, you're going to appreciate coming to see us. Go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. You really want to be lucky in life? Go help someone. And got a smile on you. You're going to get to be incredibly lucky. We're lucky to be Americans. It's right on our currency. In God we trust. Good luck. God bless. Take care of each other. Stay safe. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Graham Capital Market Update. For more information on any of today's topics, visit GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. This program is sponsored by Graham Capital Advisors, LLC, an independent estate planning and insurance agency. Investment advisory services are provided by Graham Capital Wealth Management, LLC, an independent registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Graham Capital Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. Individuals should consult a qualified professional for guidance before making any purchasing decisions.